Our very own wild panther, Mark Geyer, released a biography back in 1994. Obviously, he must have had some help writing it. The guy can barely read. Now, 28 years later, a lot has happened since. And now, it's a podcast. Welcome to Rugby League Rebel, part two, the Mark Geyer story. Don't worry, MG, there's no writing involved this time. Well, this is it, MG, the penultimate episode, the second to last episode of Rugby League Rebel Part 2. The revolution continues. Jeez, we've covered some ground. Well, it's been a journey. It's been a fantastic <laughs> journey that we've... I'm glad you come along with it with me because mm. I'm honestly... Some of the stuff we've spoken about over the last five or six episodes... Um, I'd, I'd actually forgotten about them, and, and when you bring them up, do they're good memories. Um, yeah. When you mentioned the word penultimate, I didn't know what that meant until about five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the second but, last, second last. But, yeah, exactly, but I can guarantee in the future you'll hear, uh, people will hear you attempt to use it and butcher it. Yeah, oh, ex- yeah exactly. That is it. That's a dollar ten. <laughs> now, today's a special one because... For the most part, you and I have been looking back and and talking about your journey since the book came out back in 1994. Uh, We have had the pleasure of having a couple of your kids on. Mav and uh, Montana joined us a bit earlier in the series. But today, I have um, spoken to the head honchos at uh, Channel 9, and they have approved me using the This Is Your Life format oh, for today's oh. episode of the podcast. Here we go. Wow. I have been given complete sign-off by the bosses at nine, thanks, Ginge, uh, to use the This Is Your Life format and to, to bring in some voices on to today's episode that have been involved in the last 27 years of your life, MG. Well, this I, I can't wait. I mean, that's mm. that's another bonus, isn't it, when you mm. speak, mm. when you walk down memory lane. Actually, it's one of my favourite shows when I was growing up watching this is your life. And I, I used to watch them, um, you know, be genuinely surprised when someone mm-hmm. came out and, and usually well, end up in tears. So hopefully today we don't. Fingers crossed. Well, because of course this is audio and not visual, um, we yeah. don't just want to, um, we don't just want to show you images. We want to play you some audio clues. It's a bit like all you use in breakfast radio. We're going to turn this into a game. The first guest who's going to join us on this very special edition. I'm just going to play you an audio clue and you see who you think this guest might be. Okay. We drink at the town and country where the atmosphere is great. I love to have a beer with Duncan because Duncan's me mate. Duncan. Well, uh, I don't think it's a bloke called Duncan, obviously. Um, Well, that, that's a good and it's not a, Slim Dusty. No, it's obviously no. Uh, yeah. R.O.P. Great man. Um, well, it's a bit of a a hint is that it's a country bumpkin, and I, I know a few of them, but there's beer involved. So I think the next, I think the guest is going to be my ex-teammate, captain, coach, um, Rowdy Roy Boy Simmons. That's right. We the mate, man mate, who experienced. Excuse, experience... me, excuse <laughs> me. I just got to jump in. To you, mate, it's Royce Michael Simmons, formerly of Main Street Goolagong. <laughs> Let's get that right. Okay, uh, Royce Michael. Uh, well, I, the I was going to set him up as, as the man who ended your rugby league career, MG, by showing you that you had slowed down dramatically in that brutal video session, told you to walk away from the game at the right time. It is, uh, as you say, your former... Teammate, captain, and coach Roy Simmons. Uh, Royce, welcome to Rugby League Rebel Part Two. The MG Revolution continues. 
Uh, we are exploring the life and times of MG 27 years on after he wrote the book, uh, Rugby League Rebel. Do you remember when that book came out and thinking, geez, this is a bit rich for a, a bloke still in the middle of his career to come out with a book? Um, mate, you know I've got dementia, mate. Now you're trying to trick questions <laughs> on me, mate. Yeah. Ten, is, this a t- is this a test or something, is it? <laughs> <laughs> i tell you what I do remember. I remember this. I remember 1984, um, the off-season. I was 17. Um, I just turned 17. I remember going into Penrith Park and the first grade trained with the reserve grade and the under-23s. They all trained together and somewhere out in the pa- on the park, somewhere in the gym, and there was this Nautilus machine. And um, I saw this bloke walk up the, up the race and he was a massive. He was massive. It was His name was Matty Goodwin. I went, well, he's come back from shearing sheep on his farm and... And I started to do this neck machine in the in the gym. It was like a, it was called like a Nautilus machine. And as I was doing it, I, I fainted because you, I didn't breathe properly. And I remember waking up to Royce and Matty Goodwin over me going, "Mate, you're right. What's what's going on, mate?" Like, and that was one of my first memories of, of grade footy. It was Royce Simmons and Matt Goodwin both coming to my aid when I was fa- when I fainted in the in the in the gym with Ronnie <laughs> Ronnie Oxley going through our stuff. And Simo, you've always been a mentor. You've always been that guy who was. You didn't say too much, but you, you led by your actions as a as a footy player. What what do you remember about them the mid eighties of the of the Panthers and and how how close everyone was and how on the cusp of something great we were? Um, mate, I I just remember um, you know even a little bit before um, the middle eighties, I just remember a, a lot of blokes, Penrith local blokes who you know who played from week to week and trade tried their hardest and probably just didn't have the 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 quality and the speed of, of you know a pace of a blokes like brandy and, and the blokes who follow after that mm. and um and through that period we tried our heart out each week and you and you used to get beaten and you used to get you know a bit of abuse from a lot of people about you can't win you can't do this and you can't do that and Penrith is and Penrith's no good and Penrith's crap house and all that sort of thing. So it sort of built up the the hunger in you over the years and all of a sudden along come Brandy yourself, Johnny Cartwright, you know, and Cole Vandervoort. They all seemed to, Brad Izzard, you know, and the list goes on, sort of all come through together. Uh, and and uh, and Tim Shearns was there to put everything together and... Mm. Uh, who was, you know, who had been through them exact times that I'd been through earlier. Um, so we all had the hunger to um, to go on and try to change things, improve things, and all of a sudden we had some speed and some size about us, and you know, and and we we worked hard from that, as you said, the middle 80s to improve a little bit every year, and a bit more the next year, and a bit more the next year. To all of a sudden we're in the the semis and we're you know, we're pushing at things and, you know, and finally um, we went through right through and uh, um, end up winning the grand final out of with all them local boys there, you know, which, you know, which was so satisfying for just, say, myself. I've been there for that long and, uh, you know, I thought, how good is this? This is, you know, this is this is why you stayed at the club, you know, you, when you probably could have, you know, walked away a few times. A lot of a lot of them players through the time probably could have picked up a better better contract somewhere else. But we we stuck together and uh, 
we end up pulling off um, something that was just fantastic. We we beat one of the best sides of all time in 1991 to to beat them, um, the Raiders, and uh, you know to succeed and do that was um, which finally made all the Penrith fans that um, that happy and committed to us. You know, and and of course what we're seeing now, uh, it's come full circle. There is a very similar feeling amongst the current Panther team. They're all there's a lot of local juniors in there that have come through the grades playing together, and they're reaping the rewards. Royce. It's so hard for athletes to walk away at the right time. It's a life of privilege. It's a pretty well-paid job, especially these days. And often you see athletes cling on for that one year, two year, too long. MG's retirement is a is a famous story for those that know him and know the game of rugby league, that you sat him down, you showed him two clips alongside one another, one in his heyday and one from him last season. He thought you'd slowed one of them down. Was that a hard part of your job telling Telling a guy like MG, it's it's time to wrap it up. Um, was mate, and I I won't name the other player. I had to tell another player the same thing, and they were the two of the hardest things I've ever ever done um, in my life. You know, to, to tell someone that's you know you all you've gone through it yourself in your own time, you know, and um, and you just you know had to, I, I thought it was uh, the simple because when I originally talked to the big fella and he said, no, I've got another year in me and I can do this and I can do that and I'll take the world apart. And, and uh, I thought, well, let's get him one ear where he's carving them up and doing everything and let's get another one of, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago footy and uh, give him a look at both of them and just see the difference. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's so hard to tell a mate that you've, you've, you've played with and, and then coached for so long and was so committed uh, to the sides and to yourself, and um, particularly with with MG, because he, he he come back to the he come back to the club after being in um, in Western up at Perth, you know, Western mm. Australia. And when when he went away, he was a you know a big, powerful, built you know big man that you know destroyed sides and had that much pace and and everything to go with it. Then he come back uh, a few years later, and we, he had to move up to the front row because he just lost a little bit of pace and everything. But become a um, a someone. He went from this young bloke who laughed and, and and cackled and carried on, you know, after things, and was real, you know, um, adventurous or whatever you want to say. Mm. Uh, then when he then he come back and he he come back as a leader, you know, and he. He um, he'd get around, you know, pulling the young blokes in the gear, and 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 his commitment to training had gone up because he knew it had to, because he was getting a bit older, and he become one of the leaders of the side. And uh, I was so grateful to have a few years where he was there teaching these young blokes what to do and how to do it, and um, you know, and and uh, you know, he just took things to another level. Um, as far like things like you know putting pressure on the on the kicker, working hard for a marker, all the little things become very important to him. And he was showing the younger blokes how you win games by doing them sort of things. And 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 again, he was he's saying I didn't say much. Well, he didn't say much, no, but he went out and he was a leader by doing the actions, you know, and doing things and and training hard to try and treat his injuries, eating right, all them sort of things. He he went to doing where he didn't do probably as much when he was a bit younger, but 
he come back and just changed a lot of things and uh, he was that good for the club when he come back. You know, I'd say even, I know we won a premiership before, but what he did when he come back to the club was, was outstanding. Uh, and so to go and have to tell him that he he played long enough was, was very hard. And, uh, you know, he was he had a few tears in his eyes and so did I, and that, that happened too often when coach talks to the player. I've never heard someone speak about you like that before, MG, about that second set of Penrith. Uh, it was I'm, I'm I'm almost in tears listening to it because oh, it was it was it was profound. I had the rings. I spoke on a couple of podcasts ago about how Western Reds folded, and and most of the squad were picked up by Melbourne, and I wasn't wanted by anyone because of the fact of you know I'd, I'd lost the hunger. I'd, I'd you know I was in Super League money and. And I thought, you know, I'd burn a lot of bridges at Penrith before when I left. And I thought my last port of call was my, my teammate, who's now the coach. So I remember the, com- the conversation I had with Roy. So he, I said, mate, I've, I want to come back to Penrith. And he said, oh, big fella, I, I don't know. He said, I've, <laughs> I've got to check with a few people. He said, I'd love to have you. He said, but I've got to check. And then about two days later, he said, mate, we want you, but you've got to undertake a, a lot of, you know, testing and, and make sure that your attitude's right. Um, so I had to build a lot of bridges, and 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 I I I would, I'll never forget Simo giving me that olive branch because to come back and play my last three years at Penrith, and I, I agree with Simo. I think they are the three of my better years, because now I was a mentor to blokes like the Puller Tours and the Reese Wesses and the the Ned Cadditches and the Jody Galls and 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 all these guys who are coming through, and I'm, I'm they're looking at me as this grand final winner, but I'm looking at them as I was there for yesterday. So, and when Simo had to sit me down for that. That chat, I, I didn't want to retire. No one wants to retire. But when I had a look at the video and I said, Simo, save me from myself. Because I would have been that player that went out for one more year. I was 32 by this stage. If I would have, I would have been, you know, and I was playing, I played the whole last year off the bench, number 14, and I really relished the role. I, I loved it. I love wearing number 14. And I'd go on after every about 12, 15 minutes and have 15 minutes and come back off. And, then, and it was just good. We made semis. We had a really good year. And I suppose I should have just, in my own head, said that's it because I, I kind of knew it was um but it was the fact that i had three kids and 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 you know you think about your future and you think what, what am i going to do but i think simo saved me from myself um not on, on one occasion but on many occasions <laughs> when i was at penrith um especially in france that time when we had <laughs> we went to the ronnie willy when we saved each other from them rowdy fr- the french blacks who hit kill over the head with a bottle of red wine <laughs> oh jeez <laughs> Uh, Too much information there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Roy Simmons, you have played a, a significant um, and, as MG said, a really memorable role in, in the big fella's life. As We really appreciate you giving us some time, and as we let you go, just answer, if if you're sitting at the bar and, and the locals have only got to buy a beer, for, who, who gets the beer bought for them these days? Is it still you over MG? Do you still hold sway at that front? Oh, yeah, that's not a competition, that one. That's not even a competition. No, he's not even a competition, competition mate. He's, no, he's competition. Got, he, flicks his, he clicks his fingers like the Fonz. <laughs> <laughs> Royce, we really appreciate you coming on, uh, and thanks for the memories. Mate, you, buddy. No, a pleasure, mate, and it was a pleasure to play with the big fella. None better. Cheers, mate. Good on you, buddy. Love you, mate. Well, from Roy Simmons and your playing days, MG, now we, we get into the second half of your professional career in the media. Another guest joins us. Here's, here's your audio clue. Same game. Can you predict uh, the guest off this song? You would know it would be clear. Let me 
And it's not Guy Sebastian. Uh, I was going to say Anthony Kalila. Um, <laughs> uh, and you got that wrong as well. <laughs> Nothing's changed. It's, it's, it's my, my daddy from the grill team, J.A. The, uh, hey, MG, yeah. how are you? J- Hello, my man. How are you, buddy? That takes me back to, remember, um, Matty Johns, there was uh, Jamie Angel, yeah. the content director, would just appear and he was off his head all the time. <laughs> All the time. Yeah, oh, look, and, there he is. And, and <laughs> people would just go, is that you? Are you Jamie Angel? You're a heroin addict. <laughs> go, no, it's just, no, I'm not, I'm not really. Anyway. Well, How are you, Jeff? I'm great, buddy. And then, then <laughs> for those, the, the, look, I, I used to listen to J.A. Uh, more my life as a triple M. You know, did you? Kind of, kind of sure, yeah, I did. I used to. I used to be in a, since 1980, I've been a Triple M listener, and, and even when you're on, you know, down students on Today FM, your, your name and voice were, were kind of synonymous with, with, you know, Triple M, and I remember, I remember um, when we, we got the two, do you remember, do you, fill in the blanks here, because I, I wasn't quite sure of the date, when we got yeah. the, the rugby league rights, when we first got them. That would have been 2000, I can chime in here, because that's when I started, that would have been 2012. Well, there was rugby league no. before that. We were just Monday doing Monday footy. night football ah, yes. for about uh, three or four years before that. So yeah, that's yes. when we got uh, the rights the for all rights, the games. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When was that, Ja? No, I'm going to say about uh, 2007, six or seven, something like that. Because yeah, I think the grill okay. team started in what? Well, that's 2009 Nine. now. And so I, it could I, have I tell been a story about that, it, yeah. how it how it all unfolded um, in the last podcast. How I was at Two SM watching all the watching all the interviews for different people getting, you know, interviewed for this new show that was on Triple M. At the time, I was working with Dead Set Legends with Dan and Billy Birmingham and Rabs, and um, I'm wondering why I didn't get a call. And I'm sitting at 2SM one day going through some emails, uh, talking sport, drop the G, um, and I, I, I noticed I had a voice message from you that I'd missed a couple of weeks before, and I, I, ring, I listened to it, and you said, Hey, MG, it's JA, just want to see if you want to... You're keen for an interview uh, or for this new brekkie show. And I went, oh, geez, I'll ring you straight back. And <laughs> yeah, three weeks later, <laughs> ring me straight well, back. Well, straight after, he goes, that was, he, I said, mate, and it was 10 o'clock the next morning. I remember yourself and Craig Bruce and Richard uh, Mortlock and oh, yeah. J.A., uh, sorry, uh, B- uh, Byron Cook, Gus and, and Stewie McGill were all in, this, in the airlock. And I walked in and. He said, can you do a couple of breaks with these guys? And I said, what, break their legs or their arms? <laughs> but, and that was the rest was, was, was history. I remember, I don't know who said it, was, why don't you give MG a go? I'm going, that thug? No yeah. way. Um, you and you were magnificent. You walked straight in. And I think the thing with you, MG, is, God, how do you put this? Like, there's no bullshit. Like, and you're proving it even as you talk. You don't think about things, you just say it. And I think that's one of the things straight away that went, okay, we've got Gus, and who knows what Gus is? I still can't work it out. <laughs> um, you've got Stewie McGill, whatever Stewie yep. is. Yep. Um, but then you had MG in the middle and we're going, that guy's a straight talker. He's, um, and I know it, it sounds cliche, but it's, it's genuine. You're a man of the people. You, you speak on behalf of the people. You don't try and dress anything up. You just, you, you, you um and that was the thing in that particular show you go great he's perfect he actually fits the slot um and it's only when you get talking to you and get to know you a little bit and you're going look um thuggish um <laughs> but a genuinely warm human being um and that was uh it was just a given you were straight into that show the moment we heard you yeah 
Jay, as a as a radio boss, you know how we see so all these different shows get created, all these different stations, and uh, you know, building a show, creating a show, putting people in a studio together is is a is a delicate art. Mm. When did you realise that the mixture of of MG alongside Gus and with Pagey and oh. Maddie Johns? When did you, you know that was that was that had longevity, that well, had legs? Uh, well, Pagey wasn't there to start with. It was a guy called Byron. Byron Cook, but as mm. I said, it was it was pretty much straight away, mm. and I didn't know until we heard MG in the show that we were looking for MG. Um, you know, it was a suggestion. I heard a little bit of on the weekends, and as you were you're talking about, um, uh, mate, on on two SM. So I had a rough idea, but it was it, it really filled that slot straight mm. away. As I said, you know, that warm-hearted, uh, you know, man of the people. Um, you know, tell it like it is, and yeah, it was it was really quick, and that was one of the. The successes, like you had, um, as it transpired, you had um, uh, Maddie Johns, you know, with the characters and the fun and all that, and MG. Um, oh, sorry, Gus, when, and again, still not quite sure what <laughs> Gus is. But that was, he it was pivotal. You know what it did? It gave the show heart straight away because you can create radio and you can go, there's funny radio, great. And that's all good to a point. But you need that connection. You need a heart. You need a centre of the show, and that was MG straight away. MG, you you went from a football career where you had people telling you exactly what you needed to do um, yep. on the field. You know, you had your coaches. You had Roy Simmons. You had Gus Gould. You had all these people telling you what to do in a training session, um, and then on game day. How did you take to? Jamie as a boss, how did you take to having, you know, did you take that same football mentality into your relationship with J.A. as your new boss, coach? Um, kind of, yeah, I did. I, I know I struggled. To, uh, look, I used to have, you know, we used to have a chat uh, and I always wondered what content was in, in rugby league. What, oh, sorry, in radio. What was content? was, <laughs> and, and, and I remember having, <clears throat> excuse me, having a meeting with J.A. one day and he said, mate, look, walk into your house when you get home from work today, open the door. Look around, look, watch your kids come out from school. When you pick them up, watch them. There, there's your content. And I, from that day forward, I was more aware of what I had to look for. In, in look, I'd look at news items differently. I'd look at, my, um, you know, watch my, listen to my kids talking about stories and write stuff down. So straight away, I knew that content was was the the main thing you need for any any type of show, for a sports show, for a TV show, for you've got to have content that people can relate to. So. Um, once I got over that, once I got over that hurdle of, of, you know, and I knew that I wasn't the inverted commas the, the main man of the show, I was I was kind of like a peripheral character. I, I come to terms with that, and I really I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I, it was the it was the best eight and a half years of my of my media career. Uh, you know, I've been doing media longer than I did rugby league, but that eight Is years. That right? was Yeah, I, I played footy for sixteen years. I've been doing radio for twenty. And TV wow. twenty. Oh, congratulations, MJ. I didn't realise that's <laughs> thanks, fantastic. Thanks, JA. <laughs> so it was. It was kind of, and I, I, I yeah, I, I look. It was just that they went so quick. I mean, we went to Istanbul. We um, we saw Gallipoli, um, the anniversary of Gallipoli. We we you know that dawn. Oh, you two oh, went to Gallipoli. Yeah, we together. went to Gallipoli and and forget Gallipoli. So that was the only big trip that I went on. They mm -hmm. went to New York. Um, where Hawaii. else did you go? Even uh, even Melbourne, even Cessnock. <laughs> 
Um, and it's only years later that I hear about the stuff that went on about <laughs> losing money, getting yeah. mugged, mm. uh, breaking down doors yes. accidentally. <laughs> right. um, but I, I, and and literally, I would be out having drinks with someone who went on one of those trips, and I just look at them and go, "Sorry, what happened?" And they forget that I was the boss at the time and I wasn't there. And I go, that's under my watch. That that can't happen. <laughs> anyway. The statute uh, of limitations is up, MG. I yeah. think you, yes, you think you're is. in the clear now. Um, uh, Jamie, so. thank you for coming on having a chat with us about, as as he now says, it's it's bigger than his rugby league career. Rugby I haven't league told you anything about MG. What you, what no, you, that's, uh, that's, that's, <laughs> well, you, you were talking about um, how he takes direction, and I'll never forget sitting there. Um, and it, MG would do everything in his own style, and that that's fine. And it was more of a, a matter of kind of guiding him, right. you know, because you're not going to put words into MG's mouth that, you know, he is who he is. It's mm. just where to go. But I remember, you know, you'd give him feedback, and you might have seen this. He looks at you, and you just see stuff to see his his muscles tense <laughs> and like just a little ripple and then the eye starts flickering twitching you go okay that's enough yep yeah. that's my feedback for the day I'm out you and but you know you will just see his his chest and, and arm. he never wears sleeves never wears sleeves and I think he, he probably did that on purpose you go it's air check day. <laughs> it's feedback day I'm not going to wear oh I'm god yeah I did 50 push-ups before an air check <laughs> um, <laughs> But, um, and I'll never forget, we, do you remember when we uh, you dropped a Harley? Oh, um, my goodness. So brand new Harley Davidson. And, yes. um, and MG and Gus went out and, um, and the Eastern idea Creek. was this, this guy, yeah, Eastern Creek, this guy had to uh, um, push a button, red or green, um, you know, and one of them would destroy the Harley. It would drop from 100 metres yeah. and the other would save it. And, um, and so I'm sitting there at the, the radio station and going, MG, you, all right, it's up to you. You've got to commentate what happens here. Everyone is listening. So let us know, you know, because you're the eyes and ears. You're commentating. It's like a game of footy. Anyway, so this guy pushes the button and all you would hear was, ah! <laughs> Oh my and God, then, And I go, yeah, and then go, so what happened? <laughs> like, he just screamed. For it three minutes. Go, did it drop or not? <laughs> and uh, yeah, the, it did drop. And the he, payoff it, of the tactic. <laughs> it was like MG's commentary was just screaming into a well, microphone. This is goes back. We know they shouldn't trust you with play-by-play. You did it with Channel 9 back in the day, you and I can, when Andrew Voss went yeah. down, and you stuffed that up. And oh, yeah, I heard that. <laughs> now, did, have you talked about the time he put on the footy game, like the Legends of Origin? No, oh, please no. tell oh, us. He, he, no, uh, seriously. So this was after the floods, two thousand and eleven, ten, nine, ten, ten. somewhere around yep. there. Mm. So not only MG um, was up here during the Brisbane floods. Yep. Sorry, I'm in Brisbane. Um, um, he was here during the floods. He was helping out. He was, uh, you know, going, you know, actually going in and physically. Yeah. But then came back and go. I want to put on a fo- football game, uh, Parramatta Stadium. Um, let's get all the ex-origin going. Oh, mate, this is uh, it's getting I, big, yeah, it's getting, getting hard. Getting yeah. Um, so I remember driving to the to the game, Parramatta Stadium. Um, there would have been a line half a kilometre long with people, you know, and filled it, 20,000 people. And I remember, MG, you had a cheque. You're walking around with a cheque for half a million dollars or something. Yeah. I don't know if you ever bothered paying it or depositing, <laughs> but you had a cheque for well, half I'll, a million I'll dollars. Them, I'll give them half. 
Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's sent, hence the um, Order of Australia for, you know. So, look, there's a lot of fun with UMG. You've had a 20 years, I've just found out, a 20-year media career, lots of footy, but you've done some great things along the way and you should be very proud, mate. Are you and surprised? I think, mate, I thank you for that. I thank you for that, for the journey and the Triple M. For, again, like I remember, it's the interview we had with each other. It's And you backed me from everything. You, you backed me with the – I'm glad you brought that up because I've forgotten all about that and it's – one of oh, that whole order of Australia thing. <laughs> no, just no. The, the why why I come back because I I met someone up there um, whose son had, had had passed away in the floods and Jordan That's Jordan right. Rice. Yes. And, um, we got his dad on the line and it was all to do with him. And then when we when we got back, I had a list of New South Wales players, ex players, and I and because Jay said what you want, you, as long as you you drive it, we'll we'll back you as a station. Then all of a sudden we had commentary we had fox we had in excess lead singing the song before That's right. we just it was an amazing Ryan, in excess Ryan hg commentated Ryan so Ryan hg were commentating and uh and benny elias was on, i'll never forget this benny elias was on the way to the game and they kept referring to him as backdoor benny <laughs> and he's and he's called up and he said i'm not going to play I'm my kids are in the car can you stop calling me backdoor benny <laughs> <laughs> I remember oh. going, uh, yeah, it was, it was amazing. That's what that's what radio could. That, it's that's it's what it's done for me. It's it's been the best medium. I've, I've loved every second of it. And mm. JA, you've been a massive part of it. I think. Thanks for coming on today, buddy. Love yeah, you. good on you. Great to chat, MG. All the best, mate. All right, well, MG from footy to media. Now we've got one more special guest for this. This is your life episode of the pod. Uh, somebody who has. I don't want to say born the weight of the surname, but shares the surname. We've got. Tell me if you can pick who the final guest is uh, by this little song. Hey, brother, do you still believe in one another? I mean, it's not a well, hard one. Same, same, same last name. I've got one brother. That would be. Oh, let me see. My buffer. Hey, buffer. Uh, joined by doing? Matt Guy. How are you, Matt? Really good. No, really good. Really uh, yeah, always enjoy coming on the show. So good chance to catch up with the briar and just uh, see, what, see, what, see what's happening. Now, Matt, we've been uh, exploring the 27 years that have passed in your big brother's life since he released his book, Rugby League Rebel, all the way back in 1994. Just do you remember when he released the book? Do you remember thinking, oh, Christ, big bro's an author now? <laughs> no, oh, no, I remember, oh, I remember it vividly. I Oh look, I was always um, as growing up, I was always, you know, Mark's biggest fan. I still am, you know. Like it just the fact that he did what in his career, and like you know, we, you know, the we're the houses, you know, we're out there Mount Drew and just doing our best. And um, Mark was the, you know, he was the shining light of the of the of the suburb, of the area, and he was my brother. <laughs> so you know, like every every step, you know, when he when he signed with Penrith, and then you know, I, I, that was huge, and then. Next step, you know, we, we started playing a bit of uh, first grade and, and then all lo and behold, he was actually pretty good at it and, you know, he started making rep footy and he had a great reputation and then, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd show him off like a brand new watch, you know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, when he wrote his book, it was just another thing, you know, like, we just thought, wow, like, who can believe it? You know, my brother's actually, you know, that well known that he can actually write a book and sell a few copies too. Hmm, a few, yeah, literal. <laughs> I bought two. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I mean, that's there's I mean, big brother. If I, if I wrote a book today, it wouldn't sell. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's an, obviously he's a polarizing figure, but he's, you know, in the end, he's still my brother. And no matter like that, all that other stuff gets washed away. But 
No, yeah, it's phenomenal. I think it is. It's uh, I, I imagine MG's biting his hand at the moment because it's uh, to hear him hear you speak about him like that. It, you know, it warms the heart. But he's you can hear the pride you've got in him and and his career and what he's done. But if we go back for a moment, because the book ends just before. MG goes over to Perth to, to start up with the Western Reds, and that's where you two, I imagine it was a, a brotherly dream from the, the days in the backyard in Mount Druitt to, to play first grade together. Well, actually it was. It wasn't in a sense because I didn't dare to dream. I, I, I We go back and um, I always tell the story about myself. I never thought I'd play first grade. I was happy. That's probably why I was so like on the coattails of Mark because I thought, oh, that was my way of, you know, I love footy. I love, I still love footy. You know, I still want to keep playing now. I'm 47 years old. <laughs> um, but I, I didn't ever think I'd be that good at it. You know, I just, I, so I was, that's why I was so keen to sort of champion Mark's career, I think, because it's like, oh, well, you know, this is my touch at being around that scene. And um, me, but he was a big, he was a big kid. I was a little kid. He's eight years older than me. So he was a, you know, he, he used to play footy. We used to, our front yard footy used to be him on his knees. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's uh, and he still beat me. You know, like um, but um, you know, I, that 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 was a bit of a, it was a, almost a bit of a destiny, you know, with me going to Perth because um, Penrith resold me, and I, I was really bitter about that because, like I said, I, my my dream at that point in time was to run out on game day, even if it was under twenty threes for Penrith, in Penrith colours, just with my mates on the hill. That would have been that was my that would have been my utopia and and i felt like it was taken away from me and i was really angry for a long time and um i so i needed to just get out of penrith and i was going to go to st mary's metro cup and i just come home to speak to mark and my dad about it and mark real flippantly just said why don't you come to perth with me and um so i i know i, I should i'll never hire him as my player manager because my my first deal over in perth was a two thousand dollar deal I had 200 bucks for the first 10 weeks, but uh, and then do your best. But I had a big safety net called um, Big Brother, so I I lived with him and I basically gave him my two grand. And and then I I probably ended up costing about 50 while I was over there. But (laughs) I would remember those days we'd we'd cruise down to the Cottesloe Beach and he'd buy me breakfast, then he'd buy me lunch. I was living (laughs) under his house, he'd buy me dinner, so. Um, yeah, no, it was pretty cool. MJ, how does it feel hearing Matt talk about those days and you negotiating to get him over there? Oh, look, I, I fondly, like I, as I said, I, I went from playing for an, in a grand final and for my country and for my state, and then I, then I was playing for your minor, and all of a sudden I'm in Perth. So it was, it was a bit of a whirlwind, you know. It was, and then when we were over there, and we we're literally there for about I don't know three weeks. Um, and Matt, Matt rang up and said, because we come back for the birth of um, of Logan in February, and Matt said, I want to come out. I'm, you know, Penrith have brushed me, and, they're gonna, and I said, well, come to, come to Perth. There's a junior Reds team, um, and he, he, which Peter Parr, the, who was now with the uh, the Knights, was coach of, and um, Matty, Matty settled it right in. He lived with me and Meigs for uh, probably a month, and then he started finding mates like, you know, Dan... Dan Cross and Wayne Evans and yeah. and Barney and, and then all of a sudden he had his own little clique um, and and that's where I used to hang out I, on the way to or from <laughs> training I'd, I'd I'd drop into Maddie's house to hang out with the, the young boys and 
and watch the movies and then go to training on the way home, go there again. Or, or then we'd go back to my house after training because my house was kind of the party house in Perth. We had the uh, the table tennis table, we had the dartboard, and we'd, you know the boys, the young boys. Pool table. So pool. pool table, yeah, the pool. It was so it was having having a family member in Perth was 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 special because that didn't make me homesick. Um, we'd both there, and then. Um, as you say, we had a we, one of our dreams wasn't a dream of ours, but when we we had the opportunity to play in first grade together, um, I think it was in the club challenge against Castleford when we both scored a try. But I think was it you or me who put the bomb up and one of us scored no, I, off. Yeah, that, well, that's yeah, that's what it only became once we got over there and I started coming through the grades. Then it became a, like a huge dream for me to play a game with you. You know, like I. I didn't. It was sort of like one of those things I didn't dare to dream. But then when I knew I could touch it, I yeah. became a focus for me. You know, I was like, all right, yeah, like I'm going to have to do this. And and yeah, and then I think you must have been suspended for probably eight to ten or something. I don't know. <laughs> Twelve, yeah, 12, 12 weeks, I think it was. <laughs> was it, yeah, one of them. Anyway, the eye um, gouge. Yeah. Oh, that or it might have been weeksy. Uh, yeah. I don't know. But um, um, no, back to the point. But yeah, then so yeah, no, it was, yeah, it was back at the um. At the whacker, and I, I put the bomb up, and you've just come charging through, and you've caught it under the post, and and uh, and scored, and uh, yeah, I recognised that straight away, and um, like oh, like mate, I kicked it, you scored it, you know, I was carrying on like an idiot, but yeah, yeah. It was awesome. And that was my first game back. I think it was my first game back from suspension, and uh, and we played, yeah, and then then when let's talk about talk about the story when and. We know you. We know you're a busy man because you've uh, just landed in Melbourne to see your young bloke Cole for a little trip down there. Which, um, again, as an uncle, that's that, that's another thing. You, we spoke about pride earlier um, in the podcast, Liam. Well, that's how that's where how pride expands itself. You know, when you've got oh, yes. your, your nephews and, and your nieces, and and you you don't, you don't want glory from you want happiness. And when you see them happy and they they happen to be doing it the same sport you're doing it, it's 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 such a bonus. But then. The end of '97, come around Buffer, and this new team called Melbourne were coming into the competition, and they wanted three quarters of the Western Reds, but they didn't want me. But they wanted you. Yeah. How'd that all come about, mate? I, mate, to be fair, I, I think because we were super league aligned, I, you know, I was only a, I was only a little pissant at that point, and so I didn't get the whole story. But um, basically, the way I was told is Storm got to pick four players, and then. Um, Adelaide got two and Cowboys got two and then we just kept going on the merry-go-round until they'd exhausted all their picks or something like that. And um, <laughs> That's how bad I was going. Uh, I think I was a one pick. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, I think the thing there with Penrith, obviously, was made it an yeah. easy one. But, um, yeah, and so I, I, I landed it. My, you know, the wheels stopped for me on Melbourne and I was like, oh, no, like, I was filthy. Because I'd already been in a one, in an AFL one-team town and, I wasn't that happy there in the sense that, you know, like with the footy side of it, you know, there was AFL Central and, um, yeah, it was like I really wanted to get back to the heartland, and, um, but I didn't have a choice. So, but in the end, as, as, as history goes, mm. it was the best thing that could have happened to me and I just, um, yeah, same like you just said before, like Evo was over there with me and ran into, obviously, Kernsey and a couple of the other boys, Howie come over with Perth, but made it a bit more homely and... Um, Made it made it a lot easier to settle in, and in the end, it was just a bunch of good fellas in another city, you know. Like, mm. and I think we were really lucky at that point in time that we, were, you know, we were basically set up 
by the old Broncos system. You know, we had Reeves and, and Johnsy setting us up, and then on field we had a lot of the the Bulldogs' old influence with Oates, and he brought his team over. So at that time, you know, I think it was perfect. I think, you know, if Craig Bellamy was in charge at that point, I think, you know, he's probably a bit. He would have been before his time, and you know, if Oates was coaching now, the game sort of probably moved away from him. It's the timing was just perfect at that time, and. Um, yeah, we had some really good, honest workers, you know, and the, the Swains and the Marquettes and Rorties and players like that that just, just got their jobs done. And in the end, we had some early, really early success, which, you know, is, is what you see now. Yeah, I think the Melbourne Storm went okay. Just okay. Yeah. I think they've been all Fair right. Enough. I think I think the NRL can probably look back on that one and say, yeah, I think we got that one right. Uh, <laughs> and then, I yeah, mean, obviously... <laughs> and then, but but now you know, looking at it and and you got to experience the same premiership success that that MG did with uh, with the Panthers back in '91, and 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 now you're both, as MG said, you're both you're both grown men now with families, and um and, and to Matt to to hear you speak about your big brother still in that vein, as you know, like he's just your big brother, and as I love that phrase, you you wanted to show him off like a new watch. That it's you know, I think again, MG, this goes back to. <laughs> the values that you've had throughout your whole life and, and you love your family and you want them around you as much as you can. And, um, to hear, hear your, your little brother speak about you like this, I, probably, I think it puts another kind of exclamation point on, uh, on, on your life thus far. So, Hey Matt, we really appreciate you coming on and having a chat with us about, uh, about big bro. Um, and, uh, and, and look, you know, congratulations to you on, on your career. And I'm sorry that, uh, even at the age of 47, you've had to pull stumps. I'm sorry that uh, you can't get back out there. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> he though, he'll try. He's been trying some out here. I might yet. I'm telling you. Oh, no, no, he's not. Well, hey, the dolphins. The dolphins are still looking to fill the roster. I think there's still spots. Oh. No, I'm the coach. I'm the coach of local A grade up here, so I can pick myself anytime I want. <laughs> Cheers, Matty. See you, me all. See you, me all. Well, there it is, MJ. I mean, the list was long and illustrious of the people that we could have gone back and and chosen to bring on this episode, and we could have kept going. In fact, there's people calling in. I don't know how they got the number, but they're calling in. Uh, but we wanted to find these people that reflected different stages of your life oh, and your career over the last honestly, 27 years. You know what? I, I, you couldn't have picked better. Tony and, and Josh behind the scenes and you mm. on, on air um, with me on this podcast, you couldn't have picked three better people mm. that represented exactly what I was going through in different stages of my life. Mm. And Royce, Jamie Angel, and, and my brother, well, there's there's something that's I'll, I'll be uh, – I'll be saving this podcast for the rest of my life and just keep listening to it. It's going to be sensational. There you go. All right. Well, well, MG, this is your life up till now. Uh, There is one episode of this podcast special to go, and it's a different one. Next week, we are going to try and take stock on on what this podcast series and what the last 27 years have been. We're going to... um, look forward. We're going to attempt to look forward as much as we can, not on just your personal life, but I wouldn't mind getting your thoughts on the, the game which has made you the sport of yeah. rugby league and, and where you think it might go to over the next 12 months to 12 years. And then you are going to replicate what you did at the end of Rugby League Rebel, the first book, and, and just write a little letter to yourself. Uh, but not to your, your teenage self, but to your 27-year-old self who's about to embark on this journey out west uh, and then has this whole media career ahead of you and, and you're going to try and do the classic uh, cliched letter to yourself, which I'm okay. fascinated to hear. 
Okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I was always good at written expression, written expression so oh, trust yeah, me, geez. I'll, I'll not be, very, be a beauty. Not very good at spoken expression. No, You've been no. on radio for oral, 20 years. Oral, oral expression? No. Written <laughs> expression? Yes. <laughs> Righto. One to go. Rugby League Rebel Part 2. The revolution <laughs> continues. So it's contagious. Rugby League Rebel Part 2, the Mark Guy story, drops every Wednesday, 6am, on the Listener app, live and exclusive.